Well, like I said, my name is Jason Fisher. I help serve uh, on the equipping team around here. My job is to help lead men uh, walk with Jesus and say, hey, just uh, imitate me as I, I walk with Jesus, and then we can lock arms and be able to walk with him together. Uh, and as I've sat in the curriculum this week, I uh, have been, uh, my heart has been transformed and changed because of the truths that are in uh, Ephesians 2, even this week. But if you would have known me uh, just even 15 years ago, you would have thought that I was this kid that was looked good on the outside, but I think there's something else going on inside of him. And you would be right. Uh, I was a kid that uh, looked really good. I had the, the uh, girlfriend that was older than me. I was in uh, high school. I had the letter jacket. Uh, I had the good grades. Uh, I was a, a dual sport guy. And um, I, I, I had what every kid would aspire to have. Uh, and yet, uh, I had a, even I had a dad who loved me and uh, still loves me. But my aim in life was to be able to try and please my earthly father. And that's, that's, that was my goal. So if I could uh, look good, if I could be the nice kid, if I could have the grades, if I could do the sports, if I could do all the right things, then uh, my earthly dad would be able to give me the satisfaction uh, and the enough affirmation to fill my heart. And it left me wanting. So the summer before uh, the, my senior year of, of high school, I started to develop some uh, depression tendencies. Uh, I started to pull away from my friends and, and get anxious around social circles. And um, I started to uh, use food as a way to uh, give me pleasure or punish myself. I would uh, start to, whenever I felt really, really good, I would eat a lot. I would just indulge. And then if I had really bad days or I was really sad, I would actually start uh, refusing myself food in really unhealthy ways. And uh, you wouldn't have known this, um, but I started to use sharp objects to be able to start cutting my legs open uh, as a way of self-medicating myself whenever times got really, really hard. I started to develop some really poor tendencies in my life. Um, that fall semester of my senior year of high school, I also uh, attempted suicide twice, um, in, one in August and once in November, which placed me in this place, uh, this outpatient behavioral health center um, in Fort Worth, Texas. I was a kid that looked just like I did today, walking in there um, and uh, raising my hand with uh, two suicide attempts on my resume, and, uh, but yet I had all of this stuff, the grades, the sports, the, the uh, intact family, uh, all of this stuff, but I was still left wanting, and I was this self-harmer that needed the gospel. And so uh, I had an off-duty police officer named Miss Karen. Uh, she was uh, my therapist. I would sit with a therapist for upwards of six hours a day, uh, just talking about my life and emotions and all that. Um, and uh, I would tell her, hey, look at my resume. Look at this. And this is how I feel. And there is a disconnect. Like, I want to end my life, but yet everyone that would look at my resume would go, I want to have that life. And she goes, I know you're trying to please your earthly father, and it's never going to satisfy. But... There's a God who loves you. And she shared the gospel about how, how God sent his son to die on my behalf so that I don't have to work for affirmation or affection anymore. I find it in him and not pleasing my earthly father. And it changed my life. Uh, January 6th of 2010, I put my faith in Christ and began to slowly walk with him. Everything didn't, all my sin just didn't go away, but, but he uh, said, just come and follow me. And so I was a self-harmer that needed the gospel. I am a self-righteous man that needs 
the gospel. And that's where we're at today. Ephesians 2, you've, you've sat with it this week. This is the gospel. And we um, have been talking the past couple weeks about, hey, if our, if our belief, if what we believe about God uh, affects how we behave, then what we're talking about today is the absolute core of our belief. It, it affects every other belief around us. What we believe about God and what he's done for us affects everything else uh, in our life. That's where we're at today. And so what we're going to see, there's, there's two thrusts, that, that our peace with God is going to affect our peace with everyone else. That's where we're going. So let's jump in. Ephesians 2, uh, you can flip over in your books or uh, in your curriculum or uh, if you've got a Bible with you. Ephesians 2, chapters, or verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You were dead in your trespasses. That word dead, it literally means corpse. You were dead. That's it. You were dead. And therefore, because you were dead, we see in this text, you're, you're doing three different things. The first one is you're, you're following the course of this world. So the world is offering you a, a way to find happiness. If you buy our product, if you put this stuff on your bald spot, you will find happiness. If you take this pill, you'll do better in bed, you'll find joy. And uh, they spend hundreds of billions of dollars to try and offer us life. Not only that, but we, we are, make our aim in life to be able to get enough money or to have that spouse or to have that number of kids or whatever. The world, we're trying to chase after the world. We also uh, have been deceived. You see, uh, we're also following the prince of the power of the air. So we follow after the world. We follow after Satan, the one that has deceived us. And he tells us, hey, uh, you can find life outside of what God says. Like, hey, go your own way. And Satan has deceived us. So we follow after the world, we, we follow after Satan, and the last thing, we, uh, we carry out the desires of our own flesh. Whatever feels good, we're just going to do it. Here's my ditch, food. And so uh, when things go really, really well, I'm like, I want some Tillamook ice cream. Tillamook is greatness, buy it at Kroger. Um, but I wanna buy food and be able to indulge my flesh to make myself feel good. That's where I'm prone to go. For years it was pornography. Um, but we just want to uh, indulge in our flesh. And so those are the three main avenues that I think uh, we get really thrown off course is that we just follow after the course of the world, we follow after Satan, or we carry out the desires of our flesh. But we were dead. And so to, to, to back up just a little bit, this is, this is the story of how we even got to where we were. In Genesis verses one in, or chapters one and two, God created the world and he placed mankind in the world. There was uh, perfection. They walked around naked and unashamed, and they walked with God in perfect unity and relationship with him, and God placed a tree in the garden, and he said, hey, don't eat of that tree, trust me. I'm the one that offers life, joy, peace, happiness, walk with me. I am perfection, trust me. And then, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, Satan comes uh, into the story and deceives Adam and Eve and just says, hey, no, you can actually find life by going your own way. 
and, and choosing to uh, for, say that God's word isn't true and disobeying him is not really that big of a deal, you can find life yourself. And sin enters into that world. So we, we had this relationship with God, and now there's this fracture. We have a good, holy, perfect, just God, and sin now is dwelling within us. And so we're dead. The, the wages of sin is death, so we are now here, wanting to get over there. And so what do we do? We just go, hey, um, what I'm going to try and do, I'm going to try and do uh, church activities. Maybe God's got some cosmic attendance sheet on Sunday mornings. If I can just get there on Sundays more often, or if I can uh, get, go to regen and, and re-engage, and if I can attend all of the summits and, and do all these things, maybe God's going to love me and go, wow, look what you did. Look how much you were there. And yet, I think we do that enough, and I think we're, we're left wanting if we want that to be a means that God can love us. And we move on from that. That's, that's not going to be able to cross the chasm. So, so maybe we try and do um, spiritual activities. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going I'm to memorize God's word. Uh, I'm going I'm to do all these spiritual disciplines, these spiritual activities, in order for God to love me so that I can cross that chasm to the, get to the other side. And again, we're left wanting. So we, we might move on and do, um, I might do some philanthropy. I might, philanthropy literally, philos anthropos. Like, I'm going to love, like, my fellow man. So maybe if I do enough community service or if I do enough good works, that 51% good will outweigh my 49% bad, and therefore God's going to love me and let me in to a relationship with him, and you're never going to get there. You're going to be left wanting. You can't be a good enough husband. You can't be a good enough father. You can't be a good enough employee. Uh, the standard is perfection. Isaiah 64, 6 sums it up this way, for all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Even our best days, a good, holy, perfect God can look at it as if it were a filthy rag. That's all we have to offer. But these next sets of verses changed all of human history. And, and for, for you and me, this truth in these next verses, uh, these next words are, no, are more important than anything else in the world. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you've been saved. So God didn't... Um, sit up on his throne and, and look down on us and our mess and, and go, well, I better figure it out. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't sit and go, oh my gosh, I don't, uh, that's a tough beat for mankind. He, he goes, no, 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 I am going to send my son to enter into this sinful world in order that he might redeem it. And so by grace you have been saved. He goes on to say um, in verses 8 through 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So men, if, if you don't hear anything, anything else today, there's a couple things I want you to know that, uh, one, that he loves you. He loves you. 
but his standard to be uh, in a relationship with him uh, both now and forever is perfection. There's no 51% good, 49% bad, or maybe he plays on an ABCD scale like school, so maybe if I get like 70% good, uh, no, the standard's 100% perfection for your entire life. That's it. And the crazy thing is, is that we couldn't do it, so he sent his son on our behalf. He lived the perfect life. He died the death that we deserved, and he took our sin, gave us righteousness. The righteousness that was his, he gave to us so that we could be in right relationship with him. And so God entered, Jesus entered into our broken world to redeem us, and he just, he loves you. He loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you will do, trust in Christ alone. It reminds me of a story, I think it's from 1986, somewhere in the 80s. Um, in uh, Midland, Texas, there was um, this woman who was hosting like a, um, she had like a, a babysitter uh, job at her house where she would, other kids from neighborhoods and stuff would bring their kids over, she would watch them for the day. And so she was in the backyard and the kids were running around and playing and uh, she had to go get inside for just a second. She runs inside, uh, was able to try and keep a watch on them, but lost her attention for a second, then came back outside and realized that her niece was gone. Start looking around, trying to figure out, oh my gosh, where, where is uh, this girl? And they realized that what had happened was there was um, this, this well that was about eight inches in diameter um, that this girl just fell into. She was about a year and a half old. Uh, she had fallen into this well and fallen 20 feet down um, into this well. There's no way you can fit into an eight-inch diameter well, so she immediately calls the police, um, and they have to figure out a way to be able to keep the well intact so that she can keep breathing, but we got to figure out how to get this girl out of here. There's a year-and-a-half-old girl in Midland, Texas, the entire country focused in. They stopped everything. CNN, for the very, this is the second time uh, in their history that they started a 24-hour news coverage. Over a year and a half-year-old girl. The other one was the, um, a shuttle had blown up the year before. And so, so they started this 24-hour news cycle that everybody was talking about baby Jessica, baby Jessica, baby Jessica, making sure, trying to figure out if she was going to be okay. And so for 58 hours, she was in uh, that well, in the earth. And... Uh, the police were able to, to figure out a way to get around it and be able to uh, grab her and get her out. And so there's a picture behind us of this uh, authority figure carrying this little, just this sweet, sweet girl. And you know what would be crazy? They interviewed her 30 years later. It would be crazy. And if Time Magazine uh, did the interview with, with Jessica, if she would look at that picture and go, Man, I don't know if they love me. Like, they moved heaven and earth to be able to get to her. 58 hours, everyone was focused on this little girl. They were uh, figuring out how to do tunnels and keep it all open and, and to be able to get this girl out of the earth. It would be crazy if she said that. It also would be silly if she uh, got out and then all of a sudden, you know, she does the LeBron. Like, look what I did. Look, did you see me get out of there? Like, did you see what I did? Like, how I got out of that tunnel. That's insane. But yet, that's what we do well, sometimes with our relationship with Christ. Sometimes um, we feel like at times, like, God, do you love me? He showed it through his son. And the standard's perfection. We can't do it, but yet sometimes we do the, look at me, look what I'm doing. I think 
sometimes also some of us might have uh, read the text this week in this section of verses 1 through 10, and we might have gone like, well, yeah, got it. Give me something more. And you know, you, you know the gospel, you practice the bridge illustration in your curriculum, but you're like, hey, I, 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 want, I want more. Like you might have, uh, you, quite frankly, you're just, you got bored with the gospel. And it's, it's like saying, God, this is great, but like, what have you really done uh, for me lately? You know, you wouldn't say that out loud, but yet sometimes we, we want to move on the, from the gospel to deeper things. Like, let's uh, talk about Calvinism and Arminianism and dispensational theology and covenant theology. And like, let's do all that. Let's move on from the gospel and talk about these deeper things. Or some of us are trying to figure out these new, fresh experiences where we can see God or feel God in this new and fresh way. We want a profound experience rather than the simple, profound truth of the gospel, that you once were far off, but you've been brought near. It takes a lifetime and eternity in the future for us to get our minds around that. And yet we feel like we're, we get bored with it and we need to move on to something else. And so Paul's gonna now uh, shift from verses uh, one through 10 uh, for the rest of the, the chapter by doing, um, he's gonna be shifting over to the, the only command that we have in chapters one through three. So if you weren't here week one, Derek did an overview of the book of Ephesians. And um, if you see, that's, that's all of the text from chapters one through six with the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians is split up into two different sections. The first, uh, chapters one through three is, well, we just have, we say like, hey, uh, this is your wealth in Christ. This is all that you get because of your relationship with Christ. And then in chapters four through six, it's talking about how to walk with him. And so uh, in light of ver uh, chapters one through three, this is how you now walk. Another way to say it is, hey, uh, chapters one through three talks about our belief, like what we believe. And that moves us to chapters four through six where it talks about, hey, our belief should affect our behavior and how we walk with him. And so we saw that um, chapters, one, or chapters four through six have all of these different commands, all of these different things, do this, do this, don't do this. And there's only one command in chapters one through three, and we're about to, to see it. There's only one command in chapters one through three, and that's right here, found in verses 11, 12, and 13. Therefore, circle, therefore, in your book, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So, uh, therefore, anytime you see therefore, uh, think, what's it there for? So, you, therefore is pointing back to in light of everything you just read. So, therefore, in light of the gospel, the, the good news that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God sent his son to die on your behalf so that uh, the, the standard of, and requirement of perfection could be laid on you through faith in Christ. Therefore, in light of all that, remember that you were at one time Gentiles in the flesh, that, and remember that you were separated from Christ. And so uh, here's the danger if we don't remember Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 
through 10. We, we, we can control or we can compare. So think of, um, we're, I'm just going to use verse uh, 13 to kind of flesh this out for a second. Um, so some of us, we, uh, in, in our flesh, our ditch is that we, f- we forget that we were once far off. We know that we are near, but sometimes we forget that we were once far off. And so uh, the temptation with that is that we can start to believe that we were really a part of our salvation. We actually had a lot to do with our salvation. And so now that uh, you had uh, control it over your salvation, you need to control your life. And so you feel like you have to... Um, manipulate and get to the right job so you can get into the right neighborhood, which gets you to the right schools, which gets you to the right city. All of these things you're trying to control and you get frustrated when other employees get accolades for things that you might have done. You're trying to control your life because you're forgetting that you were once far off and had nothing to do with uh, being saved. You have nothing to do with what you were um, to do to get across that chasm to the other side. You had nothing to do with it. It was God himself doing it on your behalf. And so when we forget that we were far off, we can, can, we can tend to control things, and we think we run our life. Some of us go, ooh, yeah, I remember that I'm far off, but I forget that I've been drawn near. And so we, we look back and think about all of the things I've, I've done, and um, oh my gosh, I know my thoughts, and I know my feelings, and you come up, and on Sunday mornings, you see Todd teach, and you go, man, that guy knows his Bible. I'm not going to know my Bible like Todd Wagner. And so you just quit. You stop. You just go, well, I'm not going to get there. And you compare yourself to Todd and you just go, you know what? I'm just not going to do it. Or maybe you're bringing your kids uh, here on a Sunday morning or um, walking around school or whatever and you, and you see all these kids, man, they're beautiful, dressed up real nice, so well behaved, all of that. I know my kids. I know they're not doing that. And so you start to disengage and go, hey, I'm, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to punt on this. Because you're comparing yourself to other people. You don't think, uh, you forget that you've been drawn near and, you, and he's offering you life to walk with him. He wants you to be in a relationship with him and to continue to be sanctified as you look more like Jesus all the days of your life. So, in the coming verses, we also see that God has brought you near and he's broken down the, the wall of hostility. He wants us to, because we have peace with our Father, that we can have peace uh, with the rest of mankind. And so, um, I don't know if any of y'all have been uh, on social media lately, but uh, the world is freaking out about something right now, like freaking out. Um, so... Um, Botham Jean was a guy uh, in Dallas, I think it was a year, year and a half ago, um, this uh, black guy in Dallas eating uh, his ice cream in his apartment, um, and this woman uh, came into his apartment and, and thought it was her apartment and thought he was a burglar or something eating ice cream, um, and uh, ended up shooting and, and killing uh, Botham. And so um, there's been this huge uproar, and, and the court case has been actually going on this week. And yesterday was um, the sentencing, and she was sentenced to, to 10 years uh, in, in prison. Um, but that's, that's like the sub-headline of what everyone's freaking out about right now. What people are freaking out about is uh, Botham's brother, Brant, sat up on the witness stand uh, yesterday um, and he goes, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but I don't want you 
to go to prison. Like, in relation to uh, my desires, I don't want you to go to prison. I want you to know my king. And so Brant, because he has peace with God, he knows that God died, uh, he sent his son to die for him. He's like, man, I know that I'm at peace with my king, and I can be at peace with you. And so he goes, hey, can I extend mercy by hugging her? And so people see this image, they are freaking out that this guy could offer grace and mercy um, to this woman, the one that killed his brother. And he can have peace with her because he's like, hey, I know I was once far off, but I've been brought near, and I want you above anything else in life. More than justice of a prison sentence, I want you to know my king. And that's what this is, uh, this is teaching. Um, Ephesians 2 is talking about, hey, just what you think about and believe about God affects how you um, engage with other people. He knows his king and he loves others. The world doesn't have a category for this. We've got a category for protests and, and hostile words and uh, let's get in our corners and, and lob bombs at each other whenever we're talking to Fox News and CNN and ABC and all these different things. We got a category for that. We don't have a category for, hey, you killed my brother a year ago, and more than anything else, I want you to find life, the life that I've been offered. They don't have a category for it. And so we, um, as men, if you have put your faith in Christ, you have peace with him, and you get to offer peace to a watching world. And so as you're um, in your homes, as you're out at work, when you're at Starbucks, when you're engaging with other folks, they are watching, and they don't have a category for you to have peace with other people because you've been at peace with your king. And so remember, all of us were once far off, and we've been brought near. And God's wanting us to walk with him and offer peace to others and say, hey, uh, you can do whatever you want to me, but you need to know my king.